0: Hey, hey, I can't believe this day is actually here. So many of you have uh, prayed with us and have walked with us, and I'm so grateful. So many of you are, are here to just celebrate with us. If you're here for the first time, though, we are so grateful that you came, and you came to the first really launch service of One Chapel. And so we want you to feel warm and welcome. We want you to really uh, tell us who you are, and so that's why you've got this little... Uh, ca- um, connection card right here inside of your little uh, worship guide. if you would take that connection card and if you want to find out more about what's going on at one chapel, we would love for you to fill that out and that would be great stuff for you to do while I'm speaking during my sermon, just kidding. That was sarcasm. but, but I, I really would love to hear to hear from you if you have feedback or you have some, uh, a prayer request on here. There's lots of stuff If you want somebody to meet with from the church. We would love to hear from you. And this is the way that you stay connected uh, uh, with what's happening all over one chapel. And for all of you who are here for the first time, if you're here for the first time and you're actually from Austin, (laughs) 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 then uh, we have a little CD for you. Um, And so you can leave uh, with a uh, a wonderful CD of worship music that we've done together. It's a little compilation CD. It's called... uh, it's called one chapel oddly enough and so um, so you can you can pick that up on the tables right outside before you leave in the exit and i would love to meet you if you're here and checking out the church and just want to know a little bit more about it i would love to meet you i'm going to be standing right outside the exit doors right out at the end, uh, at the end of the service right outside the theater and we've got some little uh, we got some little treats and some little snacks And so we'll stand there and talk a little bit. I'd love to get a chance to meet you. That would be great. Um, I want to let you know that uh, one of the things that we're trying to commit to, you know, it's a brand new church. And so we're still making all of our systems and all of our stuff work right, all right? So you could see this morning, we'll have to do a little better on communion when we get to this size. (laughs) Last week, it wasn't that hard. Um, It's really strange how that works. Um, you get a whole bunch more people, and, uh, and it takes a little longer. So um, we're, f- we're figuring things out as we go along, but one of the things that we've wanted to do is if you want to learn a little bit more about uh, One Chapel and uh, get a chance to sort of hear the context and the history, the story, uh, ask questions, we've got something called Square One. You want to know where to start? You start at Square One, and it's a Square One luncheon, and, and it happens on the first Sunday. Everybody say, first Sunday. First Sunday of each month, right after this service, you can go right upstairs to California Pizza Kitchen, (laughs) yummy, and you can have a a bunch of pizza on us and we'll sit and we'll just talk, talk about church, talk about what it means, talk about what it's supposed to be, what it looks like, and what God's doing in Austin. I, I think it's important for everybody to understand one chapel doesn't see itself as the answer for Austin. We are one little part of the story that God's been writing about this city for a long time. And there's been people here who have been praying and they've been digging and they've been deepening in the soil, getting the soil ready, and we're learning from some of them. We've come to add our voice to the many voices that are here in Austin. God has a purpose and a plan for this city. And it is such a culturally diverse city. It is such an interesting landscape. Uh, Everything from UT and academics to the musicians and the politicians and uh, so many different streams that this is why we've come, is to help reach every one of those people. And it's going to take us all. It can't every one church. It has to be all of us working together. And so we would love for you to hear a little bit about the story of one chapel if you want to join us. Uh, first Sunday, that'll be October 3rd, all right? So we'd love to, love to have you. All right, are you ready to study the scriptures? Ready to study the scriptures? Why don't you open your Bible uh, to Matthew chapter 16, and let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the spirit of life that we sense in the room today. We thank you that you are with us, that you are here. You're leading us. You're guiding us. And as we, as we share the scriptures, let illumination happen. Uh, we want more than just information. We want revelation to come as we read these scriptures. And so, Lord, we welcome you. We invite you. We're listening. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the commitments that I have is that uh, One Chapel is going to be a place where you kind of have to bring your Bible to follow along. Uh, I've made a commitment not to show the, the message on the, on the screen, um, the Bible verses on the screen, because I want people to get used to having to know where stuff is. I don't know if you've ever seen like Jay Leno and Jaywalking, you know, where he goes out and he meets people on the street and then he asks them questions about the Bible. <laughs> they have no clue. And so we've got to do better and better at knowing our Bibles, knowing where things are, making sure that we have Bible knowledge and history and understanding. And so that's one of the things. So you've got to get your Bible. And then the other thing that I think is important is when you you open your Bible and you read something while you're listening, your retention goes up. But when you write something down, then your retention goes way up and you take it home. And so we have a commitment to uh, reading your Bibles, holding them open, and then making notes. Does that make sense to everybody? Say yes, Pastor Ross. Yes. I felt strangely like a school teacher there. I didn't mean for that to come off that way. Anyway, we'll, we'll start in Matthew chapter 16 here in a moment. I want to talk to you this morning. I'm starting a series, and we're going to be talking about it all month, and we're going to talk about the idea of yes. There is a word, and it is the word yes, that is so powerful, so strong, so much is inherent in the word. Yes, when you think about your kids, I have five children. Yes, that's what these bags are right here. Five children. But I have a beautiful wife who takes care of them. I want to introduce her to you. Amy, would you please stand up and everybody just say, Woo. look how cute she is. It's awesome. <laughs> She's really the hero in our family and takes care of those five kids. She is an incredible woman. The last one we had was 10 pounds when he was born. She is my hero. Anyway, so you treat her with respect. This really, really, she deserves it. So anyway, um, when your kids come to you and they ask you for something, when they ask you to do something, Dad, can we go over to the pool? We had a lot of pool time this summer, a lot more than in Colorado. It was awesome. (laughs) and they said, can we go to the pool? And and what are they expecting? Man, if it's a no, what a bummer. (laughs) But if it's a yes, you see their little faces. Yes. One of the best yes moments for me was the day that I asked my beautiful bride to marry me. And it was an incredible day. I stood up on the stage of our college. I graduated from Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I graduated uh, and went to work in Colorado Springs at New Life Church, and it was an incredible thing, but I realized that I'd left the best part back at school. And so I went back, and I ended up being on a stage singing for a chapel service, and I invited her up on the stage in front of 4,500 students. And she had no idea it was going to happen. It was so awesome. And this was, this was in the days before it was like passe to do it in front of big crowds. I was like one of the first. <laughs> I was. And so, so, so I, I invited her up. And she's like, what are you doing? And then I dropped to one knee, and the place went nuts. It was incredible. And, she, and I, said, I said, babe, I didn't say babe, I said, <laughs> I said, Amy, I love Jesus, and I love you. I'm going to follow him the rest of my life. I want you to follow him with me. Will you marry me? Come to think of it, she never did actually say yes. She just giggled a lot and hugged and kissed me. So I took that as a yes. It's turned out pretty good. So, um, so, So that was an incredible yes moment for me. And you can think of your own yes moments. Yes is an incredible word, and I want to talk to you this morning about saying yes to Jesus. Because when you say yes to Jesus, some incredible things happen. Next week, we'll talk a little bit about what happens when Jesus says yes to you. What an incredible thing that is. What happens in your life, and what you've been given as a a friend of Jesus, as a child of God. So in Matthew chapter 16, we start here because we're getting context for uh, a really wonderful young man named Peter. And Peter was one of Jesus' disciples, and in verse 21, it says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. It's an interesting, we kind of pass by this a lot of times in the Gospels, this little passage right here, it's a very interesting little passage. Jesus warned them so many times. We kind of see it over and over again. He said, Guys, this is what's going to happen. Here it comes. It's going to happen. You're, you're, this is going to take place, and I want to warn you. And they just couldn't see it. They had a different paradigm. They had a different way of looking at life. Jesus wanted them to say yes to something that they couldn't understand. Jesus wanted to say them to say yes to something that they couldn't quite picture yet in their minds. It didn't make sense to them. Have you ever felt like that? Boy, I have. Yeah, that's, that's a strange thing. Here it is, Peter, uh, in verse 22, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And he said, never, Lord. He said, this shall never happen to you. <laughs> Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> now, can I just give you a bit of advice? If Jesus ever tells you anything, don't say never, Lord. <laughs> it's just not good for you. He may call you Satan and say, get away from me. Jesus, Jesus says, get away from me. Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me, We'll find it. Saying yes to Jesus is a little bit tricky. There are some ideas involved that we don't always expect. When we say yes to him, there's all kinds of things that may happen, and some of them we can't see. Some of them we're afraid of. Have you, I mean, when I was a kid, I was afraid that Jesus would call me to go to Africa. <laughs> I did. I, my dad was a pastor, so I, uh, I... <laughs> I was, you know, in the front row. I was born on Saturday in church on Sunday, you know. So, I mean, I was there. And so, saying yes to Jesus, if it meant going somewhere crazy, I wasn't sure I wanted to do that. But here's what, I, here's what I've realized. After several years of walking with Jesus, I'm 44 years old. My, how young he looks. And what I've learned over these years is that when you say yes to him, you, 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 sometimes even when you're afraid of saying it, there are things waiting in the wings for you that you can't imagine that are so good for you. They're so amazing for you. And he wants what's so wonderful for you. He wants you to discover it. So he says here, if anyone would come after me, he's got to first deny himself, take up his cross. I'm not talking about a little cross that you wear around your neck. I'm talking about a a big old cross that you take, and you you, you take it, and you carry it, and then, (laughs) strangely enough, people put you on that cross. And you serve other people by laying your life down like Jesus did. And he, this, is, this is his idea, this is Jesus' idea, and he says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life, whoever's willing to say yes to whatever God wants, he's going to find something beyond his own imagination. That is an incredible idea. This little passage always reminds me of that show, The Biggest Loser. Have you ever seen that show? I love that. I, I love this show. It's an incredible show. I'm kind of a fan of reality television. Uh, my other favorite is uh, that uh, ho- uh, Extreme Home Makeover. You ever watch that? It's an, incredible, it's an incredible show because they have this moment. You know, everybody's out there. They're helping. The community's helping them build this house. And then they're out there, and the whole crowd's out there. What are they saying? Oh, you watched it too. they <laughs> <laughs> like, move that bus. And they say it, and they say it over again, and then the bus pulls out of the way, and the, and the family's like, whoa, and I cry like a baby every time. <laughs> It is the weirdest thing. I cry like a baby. It's an incredible thing. I don't know what it is. I just watch those people just being filled with joy, and it's just like, ah. Back to The Biggest Loser. Sorry for that little rabbit trail. (laughs) The Biggest Loser is an incredible show because what happens is these people give up their lives to a new routine, a new coach, a new regimen, What happens when you come to Christ is you give over to a new routine, a new coach, a new regimen. It's very much like what happens when we follow Jesus. And so they give of themselves, and then there's a transformation. You watch this transformation every week, and they get up on that scale in those hideous outfits. It's an incredible, terrible thing. And they stand on that scale, and you see how many people, who's lost the most weight. And then what is the most incredible is not how much weight they lose, but what happens to them On the inside, what happens to their minds? They see themselves differently. Something happens to them, and it changes everything in their life. It's much like what happens when we come to Christ. Turn over to Luke chapter 5, and this is where we'll spend the rest of our time, because we want to read about how Peter went through this transformation process, much like those people do on The Biggest Loser. He's learning how to lose his way, lose himself, And find what Jesus has for him. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 says, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats, and left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon Peter, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. One more time, Simon is a—he's uh, sort of learning. There's something happening here. He says, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught a thing. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. This is a Incredible little place where Peter has a revelation. He has some understanding. When you say yes to Jesus, here's what it requires. This is your first big point. When you say yes to Jesus, it requires your humility. Peter hears Jesus say, Hey, I've got an idea. Take your nets out and just go out into those deep waters and put them down. Peter could have said, He could have said, Jesus, you know, you've got, you know, your thing. You, you're kind of the rabbi, okay? So you just, you just deal with your holy stuff. And uh, let me be the fisherman, okay? Because after all, I know where the fish are. And I've been there all night. We've been out. Is this having a problem? Okay. Should I switch mics? Am I, go, am I okay? Is everybody hearing me okay? It sounds like it's going in and out and up and down. And is that, are you hearing that? Okay. All right. Sorry. So now I've just become the distraction. Sorry. (laughs) Does anyone remember where I was? (laughs) Peter. Peter could have said, Jesus, I know where where the fish are. You don't. Just leave that to me. This is many times. This is how we live as Christians. We divide secular and sacred. This is not what we're supposed to do. Jesus wants to have ownership of every area because he knows every area. We can't live our lives segmented and segregated. We've got to give everything. When we say yes to Jesus, it can't be a half-hearted yes. It's got to be everything. So what happens is he says to Jesus, he says, we've been out there all this. Wow, there it was. <laughs> because you say so. I'm going to go to this just because I just don't want to keep going. How's, how's that? How's everybody doing? Are you ready? (laughs) So Peter says, Peter says, because you say so, that's what I'm going to do. It sounds ridiculous for me to even say it. But the truth is, what you have to come to terms with is you have to understand that obedience to Jesus requires us to trust that God knows more than we do. (laughs) That sounds a little silly, doesn't it? Well, of course God knows more than you do. But we just don't act like that very often. Sometimes we think we know, well Jesus, you don't know what I'm going through. uh yeah, he does. He knows exactly what you've gone going through because the scripture says he was tempted in every way, just as we are, and so that's a, a wonderful a wonderful thing. It requires our humility. obedience requires us to trust that God. Knows more than we do. Now here's the interesting fact, all right? Here's a little factoid. Jesus was asking Peter to do something he'd done hundreds and hundreds of times before. It wasn't new. Jesus wasn't asking him to do anything special. He was asking him to go out and put nets out in the boat. And so he just had to do what Jesus asked him to do one more time. That's an interesting idea. Just one more time. I've seen so many people give up things they know to do. They know what to do, but they choose not to do it one more time. You know, that's really all we're required to do. The future, you can't think about all the future times that you're supposed to do the right thing. And the past, well, that's already gone and you've, it's done. All right? It's under the blood of Jesus. What you have is right now, do the right thing one more time. That's all it is. One more time. That's how we live the Christian life. I had a couple that came to our church one Sunday, and they were on their way to their own church, but they were so late. They weren't very committed believers. And so they were just kind of going to church out of duty, and so they were really late, and and they decided because our church was on the way to their church that they'd pull in because they were closer to our church, so they came in and kind of walked in, and it was a crazy thing because they they, kind of, Walked into the worship service and a person began to encourage the people. There was a word of exhortation and a word of encouragement. And the word was, if you're discouraged about your business, about what's going on, don't be. Jesus knows he's going to help you. It was an incredible word from the Lord during that worship time. Well, it just so happens that this couple, was they, they did this thing, they build sheds. They build those little tough sheds, you know what I'm talking about? And so they had come from another state, and they were trying to build a business, and it was horrible. They hadn't sold anything, and they were at the point of just total discouragement. So that word comes, they're standing there in the service, and their ears perk up. Oh, I think Jesus may be speaking right to me. It was an incredible thing, and then the, 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 the word of God came, and, and the pastor shared, and it was an incredible thing about encouraging people in marketplace ministry. It was amazing, and they ended up giving their lives to Christ again in that service that day. It was awesome. It was amazing. They said yes to Jesus right there. Well, so the husband is talking to his wife after the service. He says, well, I wonder, I wonder, how, many, I wonder how many tough sheds we could sell. And know that it was God this week. He he, he was was thinking, okay, God said, it's okay. I've got it under control. I wonder how many we would, to know it was Jesus, how many would have sold? And and his wife said, just one, babe, just just one. (laughs) Turns out on Monday, they sold one. On Tuesday, they sold another one. On Wednesday, they sold another one. And on Thursday, he sold two five sheds, and they were never late for a Sunday again. (laughs) Now, here's what I want you to get from this story. That couple could have gotten so discouraged, even though they weren't living a life that was close to Christ, they weren't following Jesus, they still knew the right thing to do. Imagine what would happen if they wouldn't have come imagine if they just chosen not to do the right thing one more time but because they did they sat in that service and jesus said something to them changed the course of their life and so it's an incredible thing there's a lot writing on saying yes to jesus all right let's keep going in the passage verse 6 when they had done so all right they let down the nets when they did so they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break so that they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. That is an incredible, incredible story. Here's the point. Saying yes to Jesus releases incredible provision for you. Saying yes to Jesus incredi- it releases provision for you. When we obey, the results are greater than our own abilities. When we obey Jesus and what he wants to do, here's a story. Jesus says, go out here. I want you to cast these nets out. Then they've been out there all night. There hasn't been anything out there. And then their boats start sinking because there's so many fish. Jesus has provision in mind for you. Two plus two equals five or 500 in God's economy. When you're willing to just say yes. When you're just willing to do the right thing one more time. Obedience brings provision that you cannot provide for yourself. There's no way that those fishermen could know that that was there and and they could have done that themselves. Otherwise, they would. You can't be good enough, you can't be smart enough, or talented enough to accomplish the task that God has for you. You have to come to the end of yourself. You have to come to the place where you're willing to say, all right, Jesus, I think you know more than I do, and I'm okay with that. I have some expertise, I have some skill, but that's not what I'm going to rely on. Not just going to rely on that. So you understand these fishermen, they were good stewards. They were out all night. They were doing hard work, okay? I'm not talking about being lazy and just relying on God to do stuff for you, okay? Saying yes requires that good stewardship and being the kind of person that will, that will do what he asks you to do when he asks you to do it. The best story of this happening to my family is uh, coming here to Austin. There has been uh, an incredible stream of provision for me and my family that I just uh, am amazed by, and the, the, one of the largest, one of the largest uh, things that happened to us, one of the most amazing elements was when we were deciding to go. We were trying to figure out, okay, this is a big risk. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go to another city. I'm. You know, I I have a really good job. I have a great church that I'm I'm part of. This is really a good spot for me. And they pay me every month. (laughs) Can I do this? Should I do this? Jesus, is this you or is this me being crazy? Once we had determined that it was indeed Jesus, what? happened was the wheels started to go in motion, uh, and and we gave ourselves until September 1st of last year to kind of finalize the decision, but we were pretty sure right around June, and so in September, September 1, we put our house on the market, and that was kind of the big test. The crazy thing is the day we put the sign in the yard, you know what happened? A bunch of you already do, because you're from Colorado Springs, but what happened to me was a lady called our house that day and said, the Lord has been speaking to me for about 10 days that we're supposed to buy your house. Now, you've got to understand what a miracle this is because in Colorado Springs, the bubble had burst. I mean, the market is horrible. H- houses in my price range were not selling. It was not going to be easy. And here we are. we would made the decision. We put the sign in the ground, and a lady calls and says, we're buying your house. We're going to do it. And it was an incredible thing. So it was so confusing to me. Like, who are you? She didn't know us. We didn't know her. She didn't come to our church. She was just a total stranger. It was amazing. So I said, well, how did you know about our house? Because it wasn't even on the market yet. And she said, well, two years ago, and this is the crazy thing about my story, is two years earlier we had decided to put our house on the market because we felt like the Lord was asking us to. It wasn't a good time for us to put it on the market. New Life Church was going through a very turbulent time. It was not the time for us to be sending the message that we might be leaving. I wasn't planning on leaving. I wasn't. T- I, I didn't even know what would happen. But we felt like the Lord told us to put our house on the market and see what he would do. So we did. We just felt like it was a moment to say, okay, God, everything is yours. This forever house that we have that we love so much, we're just going to give it away. We're going to it away to you. And so here we are. Take it and do with it what you want. And what happened was she had walked through during that time. And it was during that moment of obedience for us that God was beginning the provision for two years later. Because what happened to her was when she, she just felt like, I remember this house, and we walked through it. They weren't ready to buy. We weren't ready really to sell. <laughs> not really. Um, but we were just doing it out of obedience. When you obey, the results are greater than your own ability to make it happen. When you say yes to Jesus, there's something. Now, it doesn't mean it's not difficult. Those two years were difficult. There was some difficulty we walked through. P- Peter had difficulty that night uh, going through this, uh, this evening trying to catch some fish. He couldn't find it. But God releases provision. Now, I want you to notice uh, one last thing. Here we go. Verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, okay, their boats begin to sink. And the verse 8 says, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away. <laughs> That is such a crazy little thing. Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And this is an incredible moment for Peter because this is the moment where he realizes Jesus has called him. He's a lowly fisherman, but Jesus is calling him to do more. And what's happening to him is at this moment he's saying, Jesus, I can't figure this out. I don't know how to do this. I don't get it. Now, what he could have said was, hey, Jesus, you know where the fish are. I'm a fisherman. Hey, (laughs) we could get a business going. Jesus and me, fishing incorporated. That That wasn't what Jesus had in mind. Here's what Peter says. I don't know how to do this. I'm not good at this. Jesus knows you're not that good at it, and it's okay. It's okay because you're wrestling. It's okay for you to wrestle. It's okay for you to, to miss it and then turn and say, oh, I missed it. I say yes to you again, Jesus. There's something here that Jesus does to Simon, to Peter. Look in the next verse. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So they pulled up their boats, their boats up on shore, and left everything. Notice the words. They left Everything and follow. Could it be? Okay, third point. You ready? Third, third idea. Are you ready? When you say yes to Jesus, it reveals your purpose. It reveals your purpose. What happens is, Jesus is not interested in fish. he's he not interested in a bunch of fish. But could it be that this catch of fish is so large and breaks their boat so much? It's so much fish that it's actually paid for their next two, three years of ministry? Could it be that there's there's something here that's so amazing that, that Peter finds his purpose when he says yes? He didn't expect to find it. He didn't know exactly what was going to happen. But as we say yes to him, he reveals to us what he has in mind for us. It's an incredible idea. Peter's transformation and calling, we see it right here. He says, Lord, forgive me. I'm a sinful man. I don't know how to do this. And then Jesus says, don't be afraid. I got you covered. Don't be afraid. I'm going to make you into something amazing. See, this is the truth of the gospel. The gospel isn't come to Jesus, fix yourself up, and then he'll be okay with you. The gospel is come to Jesus just like you are, with all your filthy rags, all the junk in your life, and then you lay it down before him, and he says, I love you just the way you are. Now let me show you a better way. Jesus then cleans us up. That's the message of the gospel. That's why we're here in Austin. That's what we're here to do, to tell people, to articulate to people, to see them respond to him. And I want you to notice this. It is so amazing how it is, what does the scripture say that it is God's kindness that leads to repentance? Jesus blesses Peter with all this fish. He's a fisherman after all. And he could have done it in lots of other ways. But his kindness, he provides, and then he calls Peter out of it. And here's the, here's the shocking thing. Here's what happens. God really knows you best. He has a plan for you. He has something in mind for you. You don't even know what it is yet. My son, Taylor, he's, uh, he's about to turn 14. Here he is right here. He's a good-looking young man. He is, a, he is he is amazing, and he. a couple years ago, maybe eleven years old, I think he was, and he was. Um, we were all going to this incredible amusement park. We were taking a little vacation in Florida, and we went to this place called Islands of Adventure, and we went, <laughs> and we went. We we're talking about how we're going to ride the roller coasters, and they had this big, huge roller coaster called the Hulk. Love the Hulk. The Hulk is awesome. And so we're, we're going, we're talking about it. we're in the car, we get to go through the turnstiles and we're going straight to the biggest, baddest roller coaster we, we have at the, at the park. And so as we're going on, we're getting ready to go through, and then I look around, Taylor's not anywhere to be found. So I'm like, I look back and he's like 30 yards back this way, <laughs> and he's looking at the, at the roller coaster like this. Oh, you were nine. He wanted me to clarify the story. He was nine. He was nine. Okay, good point. Thanks, Taylor, for letting him share that with me. He actually, I did to ask him for his permission to share this story, and he's given it to me, and so I just had forgotten the detail. He's nine. So he's looking at it, and he's like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I kept like, come on, Taylor. This is going to be awesome. It's going to be fantastic. Come on. Well, let's go. We've been talking about this. And so I go to him, and he doesn't want to go. And so I put my armor on him like this, and I start moving him and pushing him towards the towards the entrance. And as I put, please withhold your Judgment of my parenting skills until the end of the story. So then, we push. I push him through. He's, I, I, he's on the verge of tears. He can't, he can't believe it. He's like, uh, every exit sign he's looking at. He's going, can I get out? <laughs> and we come to the, to the place where we're getting into the, into the little car, and we pull it down. And I pull. We pull out. You know, he, We take about 20 minutes. He pulls down that little thing over his shoulders, and I look over to him. I can see a little tear right here. It was terrible. I was, like, I was like, oh, Jesus, 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 please help this to work. <laughs> we're there, and the countdown is happening, and blah, 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 and they're talking, and we're moving, and it's starting to go, and it shoots you out of this, like, cannon thing, and, like, this cylinder, and you're going through it, and it's, and then it just shoots us out, and the next thing I know, I look over, and he's going like this. Yeah! <laughs> we wrote it three more times that day. Afterwards, I got off and I said, Taylor, remember this moment. Dad knows best for you. Dad knows exactly what you need, exactly what you'll love, exactly what you'll enjoy. And so we, we, it was an incredible thing. It was an incredible picture of how God does the same thing to us. He knows exactly what you need. And sometimes we fight with him or we wrestle with him or we think we need something else or we think we're pointed in this direction and he wants to redirect us. When you say yes, though, he has provision. He has purpose for you that you can't imagine. He wants to do something great with your life. He wants to use you. He wants to to help you find your greatest potential, the greatest potential that he has for you. And so I want to pray for you. Would you just take a moment, just put your stuff aside. I want, you to, I want you to close your eyes, everybody all across the room. Just take a minute. And I want you to think about where you are in your life with Christ. I want you to think about what has led you to this moment here, sitting in a theater, <laughs> having church. I want you to think about what Jesus is doing in your life what he may be asking you to do what he may be asking you to say yes to him for when all is said and done it's really not the message my message that counts it's what Jesus is saying to you through it and I think this is a great day this is a great start it's a start of a of a new day for this church It's a new start for so many of us. But it may be that it's a great start for you personally. That this is a moment where you need to say yes to Jesus. Maybe for the first time, or maybe for the first time in a long time. Maybe this is your moment where you could say, okay, I hear you calling Jesus. I hear you asking me. To come to you. And I choose you. I say yes to what you're doing. I say yes to what you want for my life. I say yes. If you just, if you are here and you just sense that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, nobody looking around, I don't really want anybody to see this moment. I just want you as a way of kind of expressing your faith in Jesus. This is a moment where you're going to say yes. You're going to say yes to his work on the cross. You're going to say yes to him, to giving your life to him. And you feel as though there's something pressing you, calling you. It's the Holy Spirit. He's calling you. I just want you to, if that's you, I want you to shoot your hand up in the air. Yep. I see that. Yep. Bunch of hands. Yep. That's good. Yep. Yep. Everybody, all across. Yep, just just up over here. Yep, I see you. I see you. Yeah, that's good. That's so good. It's so good. Never wrestle with Jesus. He wins every time. Just just lift your hand up as a say, way of saying yes. I'm going to say yes to him again. Yeah, that's good. That's so good. Let's pray together. Now, you can put your hands down. Let's pray together. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And it is true. We say things we don't mean so much. It's not that these are magic words or anything, but when you say them, if you mean them from your heart, if you pray these words with me, then Jesus responds to you. And so I want you to just pray this prayer with me. And let's all pray it together. Everybody in this room, let's pray this together and give our lives to Jesus again. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. I hear his voice calling me. And I say yes. I say yes to you, Jesus. I want to follow you all the days of my life. I want to follow you with everything I have. I want to give you everything I've got. Forgive me for going my own way for doing my own thing. I want to follow you. Make me a new person. Today, make me a new person so I can follow you the rest of my life. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, Now let me just pray over you. Father, thank you for every one of these people. I thank you for their their sensitivity to you, to what you're saying and what you're doing. I pray that this would be a marker and a moment that they could know without a doubt that they gave their lives to you. Lord, I pray that you would continue to lead them and guide them, shape them, mold them, encourage them on the way. We thank you for this journey. We thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's thank Jesus for what he's doing.